beautiful people in San Antonio, Texas. Today, I would like people to get closer and learn more about families of individuals with special needs. I want to share with you very important information. I would love you to understand this community. Pictures can always say more than words. They reflect what the eye cannot see at first sight. Sometimes we need to know the story that comes along with the picture. So let me tell you that Marianne Armstrong has become a specialist in this kind of pictures and stories. It's my honor to introduce her to this beautiful audience. Welcome to Got Your Radio, the show where you will know everything about local businesses in San Antonio, Texas. I'm your host, Stephanie Byers. Hi, beautiful people in San Antonio, Texas. This is Got Your Radio, and today I want you to introduce an amazing photographer who have a big heart and talent, Marianne Armstrong. It's an honor, honor to have you here with us. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for asking. I am so, so excited to be here. That's good. Like, thank you so much to to make some time on your agenda. I know you're like super, super busy. So <laughs> tell us about your story and why do you focus on families of individuals with special needs? Uh, yeah, so um, I... So I started in 2012 volunteering for a camp called Camp Camp, uh, stands for Children's Association for Maximum Potential. Uh, it's a camp in Centerpoint, Texas for children and adults with disabilities. Um, I volunteered there for two years while I was in high school. Uh, and then I worked while I was doing getting my photography degree. Um, I worked as their full summer photographer um, for two year, for two summers while I was in college. Uh, and something that I started to realize more into my second year um, was that families were coming up to me and asking for copies of portraits that I had made of their children while they were at camp. Um, and I started to realize that the reason that they were asking is because they didn't have professional quality portraits of their children with special needs. Um, that if they did have them, they had used a photographer who was just okay with them looking at the camera and so they're not smiling or, you know, the only photos that they have of their kid period is, you know, with their iPhone. Um, and so I started kind of looking around and saying, you know, why is nobody doing this? And it started to make me really upset. And more often than not, I was finding stories about, you know, families that were kicked out of portrait studios because their child with autism wouldn't sit still and stare directly at the camera and you know having worked with people with disabilities for you know three or four years at that point I, I had started to realize that that's not the best way to get portraits of kids period but especially people with disabilities um, especially those um, with things like autism because a lot of the time they can't they can't help it sitting still and staring directly at you is really uncomfortable in a normal situation much less when you're taking them out of their routine for something like a portrait um, session so that's something that I decided to be the change that I wanted to see um, instead of just being upset about it and then not doing anything um, I decided to start up Marion Elizabeth Photography uh, which has since changed to just Marion E Photography because that was a really long name um, and Yeah, and it's been, I started that in 2017 after I graduated from college and I haven't looked back. I really like that you're doing that change. That's so awesome. 
Yeah. And tell me, how was the process to find your own style? So I experimented a lot over the years, um, especially while I was in college and I was learning and I was, you know, learning about photography and learning about art in general um, and not necessarily doing it professionally, but just kind of doing it for friends. And the the thing that I kind of landed back on was going back to my roots as a camp photographer. Uh, so I focus on capturing memories that are being created rather than posed Post shots. Um, so my goal in everything is to capture the person or family exactly how they are and not to quote unquote idealize them. Um, I found that a lot of photographers will, they'll ask things like, where's a good location for a family session? And the answer that I always give is it depends on the family because you're not, they're not cookie cutter. No family is exactly the same. Um, so I focus on getting to know my family's on a personal level, and that helps me to create customized portraits that perfectly capture them. Um, and so that kind of candid, natural style is kind of what I have landed on after years of, of doing it. So at the end, you, you create bundles with all these families. Yes, yes. Um, definitely just have a... I, I develop a personal relationship with them before I even bring out my camera. Um, Yeah, and I try to get to the, to know them on a personal level before they even pay me. <laughs> so what are your goals doing this type of portraits? So my highest goal in everything that I do is dignity. Um, I believe that every family deserves professional, dignifying, and fun family photography. Uh, on a grander level, like in the community, uh, my goal is to spread awareness and acceptance for the disability community within our society. So I know of another person who photographed people with disabilities, but their focus was to make them seem quote unquote normal or like they don't have special needs. But that's something that I, you know, I shy away from that kind of thinking because their disability is a part of them. And I'm not trying to deny that fact. I'm trying to capture their personality and who they are because who they are is beautiful. So you're not trying to make up, right? Like like more like capture the, them essence. Right, exactly. Just capture their personality and who they are. That's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do to make them smile and get comfy in front of the camera? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, like I mentioned, I, I get to know them on a personal level first. Part of that is that I am a, what's called a full service photographer, which means that I take a lot of steps that many photographers don't. Um, so many photographers will, you know, have a phone call and then they'll meet you for the first time at your portrait session. Something that I do is that I have a five-step process. Uh, one of those steps is called a design consultation. And what that is, is it's a free pre-booking meeting. So you don't pay anything until the end. And that's only if you decide that you want to work with me. Um, and in that meeting, in that interview, I get to know each family and their desires on a personal level without my camera. So I don't even bring my camera into play during that first meeting. Um, And it helps me kind of get to know what families are wanting out of their portraits. So, you know, there was one family who, you know, they, they tried several times to get to do it, you know, at their horseback riding place or, you know, at a local park. And it just wasn't working for them. And they decided, we're going to do our session at home. And I took portraits of them 
at home. And I found out later that that was the first photo that all three of family members had been in together since their daughter was a baby. And she's like 25. So it's the first photo, not not just with not professional, but period, that they have all been in since their daughter was a baby. Um, and so I, the reason that we did that in their house was because that is where their daughter was most comfortable. And we did it in between, you know, watching episodes of her favorite show. And that that's what helped make her comfortable. Uh, so that was part of what I was talking about before of it not being cookie cutter, right? Like most people don't do a family session on your couch. Um, but that's something that I do if that's what makes the family the most comfortable. Yeah, so you you were talking about like you have an entire process mm -hmm. to to go to the to the final photo shoot. So how many days takes you all this process to make them feel like comfy with your presence, you know? Yeah, so I have, um, I, I usually start with a phone call and that's just a short 15 minute thing to say, you know, here's who I am, what I do. I ask the families a couple questions just to see, make sure that we're a good fit because I don't want to go through all of this process and waste their time if I'm not a good fit for them. Um, so I do that. And then if they decide, yes, we want to continue on with you, uh, I have that design consultation and I get to know them. And that in that process, I'm also looking, I usually when, you know, we're not in a pandemic, I will go to your house um, just to see where are you going to hang your final portraits? You know, what colors are your living room, you know, what color scheme is your living room design and how can I help you make sure that the clothes that you're wearing in your portraits are going to match your home decor, things like that. Um, and then, and also get to know who, who are you? What, where would you do these? If you absolutely could do them anywhere in the world, where would you have them done? Um, and yeah. And so I, that's at the end of that meeting, if you decide that you want to book with me that's when payment is due and then we'll do the portrait session and then i go back to your house and we look at your portraits first um all together for the first time uh and you decide you know we want these three photographs and we want them in these sizes and then after you do that i come back to your house and i hang the portraits on your wall for you I think that's a great plus that you give to, to your clients because personally, I don't know other photographer to actually go first and see where you're going to put your portraits. And of course, that they go and put the, the final portrait. I think that's one of the greatest um, plus that you have, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think photographers have shied away from doing things in a physical medium. So a lot of the time it's only digital. But the thing that I found is that a lot of the time those those portraits just sit on a hard drive or on a CD or a flash drive somewhere. Um, and then nothing really ever gets done with them. Um, and a lot of the time portrait photographers will give, you know, like a print release and you can go and print them yourself. Um, the analogy that, that I have used before is that, you know, if you paid a roofer to come do your <laughs> to come fix your roof um and they put all of the tiles on the roof for you and then provided you with a ladder and gave you a free bag of nails because you know how to use a hammer and nails um 
you would be mad because they're not finishing the job for you. But that's kind of the mentality that a lot of photographers take is, you know how to use a printer. And so here I'm giving you the digital files, print them yourself, hang them yourself. Um, But that's not their job. And my job is to be with you every step of the way and to be the expert that knows how to do those things and not to give you extra work. So um, do you work with a certain lab to print all your photographies or how that part works? Yeah, so I I have a couple of different labs that I work with. Um, I, much like yourself, uh, like to support local business. And so um, the two that I kind of go between our digital pro lab um which is amazing and they also do it's not just a professional portrait um lab so if you need christmas cards done um digital pro lab is a great place to go uh and then i also work with a company called finer works and that's for when i do like specialty things like canvases and things like that that's usually where i'll go for those um they are a national lab so people from all over will order from them and they ship them out to them um, but they are based out of san antonio okay that that's good to know and we really appreciate that you support local businesses yeah absolutely so could you share one of your best experiences behind the scenes i i have a really hard time coming up with what the best is i think Are your favorite? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I think kind of the my favorite thing that happens because I focus on capturing memories that are actively being created. A lot of the times, it means that I end up getting involved and playing with the family. And so mm-hmm. there, I, I'm thinking of one specific thing where I was I was photographing a weekend camp, and I have a, I have a philosophy of you know getting down on the level of the person that I'm photographing. So I'm not just photographing them from above. I'm, you know, squatting down, lying down, things like that. So I was photographing a toddler with Down syndrome and and I lay down on the floor and she just climbs on my back and I'm like trying to take pictures of her and she's crawling all over me and like tickling me. It is, I just love when stuff like that happens when I get to kind of take a break from being the photographer for a minute and just to play and have fun. Oh, that's pretty cute. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand your last portrait job before quarantine was night to shine. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about that uh, event? What is what was the night to shine? Uh, so night to shine is a prom that is put on by the Tim Tebow foundation, uh, for adults, 14 years and older with disabilities. And the idea is that everybody that walks in is prom King or prom queen. Everybody gets a crown. Um, it's done all over the world. So it's hosted on the same night, but they're done all over the world. Um, all at the same time. It's amazing. Uh, they have, you know, they have food, they have dancing. Uh, the one that I, each each group that does it, there's one at Morgan's Wonderland, there's one at CBC here in San Antonio. Um, this one is actually at uh, Icon Church in Kyle, Texas. I went to school in San Marcos and so I started photographing for them while I was in college. Um, and I've just kind of gone back to that same Night to Shine location the last couple of years. But you know the this particular one this year we had fireworks they have 
<laughs> they have alpacas um, that are dressed as prom king and queen too, and you take pictures with them. They have karaoke. There's just it's it's just such a blast, and it's awesome seeing all of these adults who you know, unfortunately for a lot of adults, they missed their prom because I, I think there's kind of it's it's great. There's been this surge of inviting people with disabilities to be your prom date um, over the last several years, but that wasn't a reality until very recently. And so this is an opportunity for, you know, so, some of these people are in their 70s and they're coming to prom and it's it's amazing. Yeah, I saw some of the pictures of this event on, on your Facebook page. And everyone looks so happy. <laughs> that was like all, all red, like like a red carpet. Yes, they all come in with a red carpet. They all go in and they get their makeup done. They get a corsage. They meet up. They all have a, a prom date who is um, like sort of a just a buddy. Like if you've been to um, Best Buddies or something like that, they're just paired up with someone who who is neurotypical that can help them with things that they need help with. Um, but they're kind of like their prom date, their friend for for the for the night um, so they meet up with them and then they all walk in on the red carpet and that's after that is when they get crowned it's great <laughs> yeah sounds like a great experience for all of them and the families yes it's so uh, it's it's really really awesome so how do you think that COVID-19 affects these families it's it's been kind of a wide range honestly uh I think that for some people, it's been extremely, extremely difficult. You know, there are people who have, you know, medical needs and they're in and out of the hospital. And instead of being able to go home, they have to be kept inpatient. Um, I've known someone who, who's been in and out of the hospital more times in the last, you know, three or four months than they were for the last two years. And it's been incredibly difficult with COVID because... You know, family can't come in and see them. They can't leave. They can't do anything. Um, I know people whose children are extremely schedule based. And so, you know, even weekends are difficult because there's no school and there's no after school programs to, to kind of fill time. And so and that's normally. And now, you know, they haven't been to school since March. And it's it's just been incredibly difficult. Um, but one family I know had to literally pack up and go to stay at a lake house because it was so like it was it wasn't that they were at home and expecting things to be normal like they had to completely get out of everything that even resembled normal just to kind of keep things in check um i also know people who this is not that much different than normal they're they're all they're immune compromised they always wear masks they are you know always keeping away from large crowds and You know, now they're saying, hey, look, the world is getting a chance to see what life is like for us normally. Yeah, like, and of course, all the COVID-19 uh, affects your your business, too. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, could you explain me a little bit about, like, how you've been dealing with all the COVID-19 Yeah, so I, uh, my husband and I actually started quarantining March 15th. Um, so we have been self-quarantined since then. Um, and the reason that we kind of started, and just for reference, that is before the stay-at-home order. Um, the reason that we did that is because we could see that this was something that wasn't going to go away quickly. 
And because I typically work with an immune compromised community, Mm -hmm. I was not willing to risk them in any way, shape or form. Um, So I actually I took off from March to May, just completely no sessions at all. Um, In May, I opened back up for portrait sessions that were time sensitive. So if you needed them for a specific purpose, like, you know, if it's a maternity session or grandma's in town for a day or something like that, I I was willing to do that. Um, But I had a lot of restrictions there. Uh, And only just in the last two or three days have I actually opened up for normal portrait sessions. Um, So that's, you know, March 15th to August 14th, uh, you know, that I am now finally doing things. And I, I have a very strict COVID policy. Um, I will never take off my mask. Everything is 100% contact free. Uh, I normally have a fee for using a credit card, but in order to keep it contact free, I've waived that fee for the rest of the year, at least, and I might even extend it past that. Um, and I've, I'm still not doing indoor sessions, so everything is outdoors, and I'm trying to keep 10 feet away. Uh, again, just because I'm doing everything that I can to keep from getting sick, but to me, making, making money is not worth the possibility of getting someone sick. Well, we really appreciate that you're being like... Um taking care of yourself and of course taking care of our community you know yeah absolutely so I know that you have this new project Mm -hmm. that you call together we adapt so I would love that you share that with all of us yeah absolutely so um, back in May I started thinking about I wanted to do something uh, I, I typically will do uh, two or three times a year I'll do something that I call uh, exclusive sessions which are basically I, I, you know I talked about so much about how I try to customize things for each family these are uncustomized so they are very cookie cutter and they're much shorter but they are a much lower price point um, just because I know not everybody with living with disabilities has a ton of expendable cash. Um, and so I, but I still want to make myself accessible to people. Um, so I do these exclusive sessions. And so I started planning one and I was like, okay, I want to like do a discount because, you know, this has affected people financially really badly as well. And I started realizing, you know, the reasons that I was doing that was because of the stories that I knew, because all of those that I mentioned earlier, um, just that it had been a really, really difficult time for a lot of people in the disability community. And um, I started realizing that I had the opportunity to be someone that was telling those stories. So back in when I was in college getting my photography degree, I had to do a photographic thesis. Um, And a lot of people did, you know, a series of three or four portraits, whatever, um, or photographs of some sort. And the thing that I wanted to focus on was telling the stories of the disability community. So I focused specifically on autism, uh, mostly because that was kind of the trigger for me starting my business. Uh, And I followed 10 families who have kids with autism and I just talked with them. And it took me, you know, three or four days um, hanging out with each family. So that was just hours and hours talking with them and interviewing them and listening back to recordings and grabbing um, quotes and things like that. And it, the result ended up being a 200-page photo book that paired portraits of these families with snippets of their story. 
And I learned a lot from that process and I've always wanted to kind of do something similar or like revisit those same families, something like that. And I realized that I, th this was my opportunity to, to do something like that again, to interview these families and get their stories because it has affected the disability community so uniquely. Um, you know, it's, it's affected everybody, but it has, it has hit the disability community in different ways. Um, and so I wanted to kind of create a freeze frame so that people in future generations who want to look back and see how it, COVID affected the disability community, they could turn to this book and say, you know, even if for just this one city in Texas, here's how it affected the disability community. Um, so I am doing uh, portrait sessions, which are significantly cheaper than even my exclusive sessions. Um, they're about half the price of some of my exclusive sessions because I I don't want to profit from this project. Um, I want to only cover the expenses that it's going to take to create this book and publish this book. Um, so I'm you know, offering, I think it's 175 that I, the price that I set, um, for three family portraits and a chance to be in this book and to tell your story. So you say like, uh, on the future, you want people to go back and, and see how COVID affect all these families. So my question is where, So this, this book is going to be available for everyone or just the families and where they're going to be able to find it. Um, so the book, I'm, I'm planning to publish it and make it available for purchase for everyone. Uh, when you sign up to be a part of the project, you do have the option to pre-order your book at a discounted price. Um, so I haven't found a publisher that is willing to work with me yet because I can't tell them specifically, you know, how many pages is this going to be, things like that. Um, but it will more than likely be available for purchase on my website, which is Marion, M-A-R-I-E-N-E, photography.com. Okay. Well, I hope like uh, we can see this awesome project like soon. Yeah, so me too. Really interesting. Uh, that's awesome too. Like the, the families permit you, you know, to, to be like doing this with them that they actually willing to share them story. Right. Exactly. Um, and I'm, I, I am hoping to have the book published and ready for purchase by November. Uh, so because of that, I, I had started this project in May and then we had this spike in June and I kind of pulled back from doing sessions for them again. Um, so I actually, my, my availability for, sessions is now august 28th through september 4th oh wow that's a short time but yes yes it is because i'm trying i'm still trying to be able to edit and publish this book by november <laughs> well please let us know when we can find it when you actually have it out and everything i know you say november but probably you don't have a, a exactly date right uh, yet but please keep us posted yeah absolutely so so on your facebook page one of your sessions with kids doing archery mm -hmm. 
So tell me, how was that experience or which kind of event was that one? Uh, so the the photos of the kiddos doing archery was in partnership with a nonprofit called Kinetic Kids. Um, Kinetic Kids provides sports programming uh, and recreational programming for just about every sport that you can think of. Um, and something that I'm doing with them is I'm partnering with them to photograph their less photographed sports. So, you know, they're things like soccer and basketball. People know how to photograph those. Um, but they don't didn't have a lot of stuff for archery or karate or swimming, things like that. Um, so I am partnering with them to go out and grab some, some shots from them. And something that was kind of an unexpected bonus was because of my work as a camp photographer, I do have experience photographing things like archery and swimming and things like that. So that was a super cool thing. I saw that was one of the girls doing it with the teeth. Yes. So um, Kinetic Kids focuses on making things adaptive. Uh, and so this particular young lady doesn't have control of one of her arms um, or doesn't have as, you know, as much fine motor control. And so she has an adapter uh, where she can actually pull the draw the bow back with her teeth. So she has a it's it's like a little um, clamp that she bites down on and then she holds the bow like normal with her good arm um, and she can draw back and let go with her teeth yeah that that looks like wow yeah it's it's so cool it's awesome so do you have any business pro or projects on the side of photography a part of to the together we adapt uh so I, I do a lot of things with the disability community outside of photography, and it kind of always ends up bleeding back into me doing photography. Um, so I, I'm on the board for Inclusion is Sweet, which is a nonprofit that teaches vocational skills to people with disabilities, um, so training them to enter the workforce. And the way that they raise funds is through baked goods, um, So which is where the sweet part comes in. Um, I volunteer with a Christian youth group called Young Life. Um, they have a subsection of their programming called Capernaum, and that works with students with disabilities. And so I'm a leader for Young Life Capernaum, and naturally it, <laughs> my job has kind of become being the person that is getting good candid portraits of our programs and what we do to use for advertising. Um, and then I'm also in the process of starting up a disability ministry at my church, uh, which is verse by verse fellowship. Um, so I'm actually <laughs> just in the last couple of weeks have actually started rolling the ball on that because I started talking about it in January and then COVID hit. And <laughs> now that we're kind of starting to talk about opening back up in the next couple of months, um, we're starting to move forward on that. You are so active. <laughs> I am. That's a huge part of why I'm so busy. <laughs> I just can't so stay away. With the community. Like, I, I love that. <laughs> so tell me, like, how many people is on inclusion in Sweet? Um, I know that since 
COVID has has hit because um, they're doing a lot, a lot of virtual programming. It's it's really, really amazing. They um, they're doing seminars on Wednesdays for parents and siblings. Um, they are they had a camp recently uh, where they, it was like a career camp. And so they were learning different things and learning about different jobs that may or may not necessarily need doing um you know, going to college, things like that. Um, and I think, I think they've served something like 200 individuals since COVID hit, um, uh, just through their virtual programming. So it's, it's been a really, really cool experience to be a part of. And I've known, um, Natalia, who's one of the co-founders for several years. I, we actually met through camp camp, that camp that I got my start at. Um, and she, she is amazing as well. Um, yeah, they, they're just, they're great. Yeah, that's a lot of people. They're like a lot of angels, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So I understand that you are involved in Vision Works camps, right? Yeah, yes, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me what so, are these camps about in? Yeah, so uh, my family runs a nonprofit called Vision Works um, Incorporated. They are not the eyewear company, the eyewear company kind of stole our name and then asked for forgiveness later and at the time we weren't really doing anything with the nonprofit, and so it was like we're not gonna it doesn't really matter uh and then we started using it and now everybody thinks we're associated with them but um we are uh, a nonprofit which focuses on camp programming for families facing a pediatric cancer diagnosis um so we have i think six different programs our main program is um Camp Discovery, which is a full week summer camp. We serve about 150 kids with cancer um, per year. And it's a full week overnight summer camp. Uh, we have our family camps, which are all of those families that go to the, the kiddos who go to our Camp Discovery get to bring their families with them to a weekend camp. Uh, we have uh, <laughs> my favorite, which is uh, Camp Common Ground, which is actually in partnership with Camp Camp, which is someone who has disabilities and has a secondary diagnosis of cancer, um, which is unfortunately more common than you would think. Um, and then we have uh, Camp Bravehearts, uh, which is a monthly in-hospital camp. Um, so that's a camp that we bring to kids in the hospital um we started out at methodist children's hospital and have kind of branched out to the other children's hospitals here in san antonio uh this year and they're actually they're still doing that virtually um actually i was listening to your uh your podcast before this one about um once in a wild and i'm i'm planning on reaching out to them to see if they're interested in in partnering with us for our virtual programming for camp brave hearts um And then we also have, and this is just super, super important one. Uh, we actually have a weekend camp for families who have lost their child to cancer. And so that's a really, really awesome therapeutic weekend where families who have gone through the same heartbreak and the same hardship to meet each other um, and to kind of get get a break from regular life and just be with people who understand. Um, and it's been really, really cool to see the siblings blossom as well like their friendships blossom because you know we have several sets of twins and so it's like not only did they lose their brother or sister they lost their twin and they can relate on that level and that's just been super cool to see 
Yeah, like that that bundle is stronger. Yes, yes. Oh, and I'm sorry, I knew that I was forgetting one. We also have um, AYA, which is um, adults and young, no, I'm sorry, adolescents and young adults in San Antonio. Um, and that is for someone who received their cancer diagnosis after 16 um, and is now 18 or older and uh, is younger than 29. So it's a chance to kind of, for those young adults to kind of meet up because we kind of found that they're, they're too old for a lot of the children's programming in San Antonio, but they're a little bit too young for a lot of the adult programming. Um, so we kind of wanted to be that in between. So how are you involved? Like uh, you're doing photography too or you're yes. part of Yeah, so I... Um, I started, I, I started as the camp photographer in 2014. Um, like I said, my my dad is the executive director of the nonprofit, so it's been a part of my life since I, you know, was a baby. But I started officially working as their camp photographer in 2014, and then in 2017, I took on the role of being their social media director as well. Um, so doing things like the Facebook group and planning events and things like that, uh, and then this year when we did we did our camp virtually which was amazing um i was one of the admins for our facebook group that we kind of did a lot of the programming in okay yeah so um how how all these projects affect your affect you like personally like for example this is kind of hard to trying to be happy and smiling but when you're seeing like kids or, or the family suffering because of the cancer yeah and so uh a lot of people think that it's really really hard and it, it is at times for sure um one of the great things about vision works camps is that we get to be kind of the bright spot of a cancer diagnosis and so we get to kind of hang out with them and be something that makes them happy and excited. And, and people say the same thing about working with people with disabilities. Like, Oh, it's just so sad. I could never do it. It's too sad. But a lot of the time it's, it's so worth it. Like I, you know, I've lost a lot of people over the years just because of the demographic I work with, but I would rather have known them and gotten to know them and loved them than to have never met them at all. Um, and so it is sad and it is hard, especially when we lose kids, but it's, it's just, it's so easy to be happy around them because a lot of the time they're just happy. They're, you know, like some of the best people that I've known have, have been some of the kids that I've met through vision works. So. Yeah. And also you have the other part for sure that, uh, you know other kids that they they're survivors right right exactly and so you know all of our all of our kids at camp have either either have actively have cancer are in remission or are survivors i think i think i calculated uh, a couple months ago that like 80% of our volunteer base are also cancer survivors and most of them were pediatric cancer survivors um, we just have a really really great community of people that understand what our kids are going through. And I know you can learn a lot from people with special needs. Uh, so what has been the most valuable thing that you have learned with them? I think the most valuable thing I've learned is to assume intelligence in people, regardless of their ability. 
Um, and to not take how someone looks or acts on the outside as like an indication of their intelligence or their personality or ability. Because I think they're, you know, some of the people that I think are the most amazing people in the world are people that can't speak verbally. Um, I have a really close friend, Jamie, who he speaks using a, uh, it's, it's like a letter, like an alphabet stencil, and he points to each letter individually. And he, this is someone who has written, written letters to Congress. This is someone who petitioned for his right to be a voter and to do mail ballot um, in the last election. This is someone who uh, he's, I can't remember which event it was, but he has worn a one black converse and one r- uh, red converse every mm-hmm. single day until there's gun reform in the country. Like he's just an amazing advocate but if you just took him from the outside and didn't assume intelligence then you would never get to know how great of a person he is um because he can't speak verbally because he does rock and walk around um a lot and (laughs) can't sit still and things like that so that that has definitely been the biggest thing and that has affected me when working with other people who are neurotypical also like don't assume anything by anyone's outward appearance yeah like don't judge right so just meet them because um actually i i personally think that uh people with special needs are really intelligent absolutely absolutely and i i you know i just had a conversation with someone the other day and they had like this epiphany of how terrible would it be to be trapped in a body that doesn't work right that where you can't speak verbally or you know you can't use your hands or whatever but to be fully there mentally to to be intelligent to understand what people are saying and then to just have people around you assume that you can't talk and that's that's just the reality for a lot of people. Um, there's a great documentary called uh, Wretches and Jabberers. It's about two men, the older men who have autism, that they learned later in life to communicate using typewriters. <laughs> but they talk about their experiences when they were kids, and it's like they're you know there's these super super intelligent men that were locked in basically closets for years in their schools and like forced to just play with Play-Doh until you know their mid-20s when they figured out how to do this and it's just crazy where you can find that documental um the last place that i the place that i have rented it from has been um amazon prime video um but i'm sure there are other places that you can can find it as well yeah i think that will be something interesting like the audience could watch to understand better sometimes uh the human is more visual you know yeah absolutely absolutely so how do you think we can educate our community about people with special needs because i think that part is really really important yeah absolutely um there's a there's a phrase in it's specifically in the down syndrome community but i really think that it it applies to all sorts of abilities and disabilities, right? Is that people that they say that, you know, that we are more alike than different. So people with Down syndrome are more like you than they're not like you. People with autism, people with cerebral palsy, like people like my friend Jamie, he loves the Beatles. 
that's mm-hmm. that's one of the things about him you know and there are more things that are similar between us than they're different and if you you assume that going in when you're talking with someone again if you assume intelligence if you see somebody who's an adult that's in a wheelchair and you talk to them like they're an adult you're gonna have a much better time than you know if you go to somebody who's in a wheelchair that can't speak to you and you're talking to them like a baby um i think that 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 is a a sad unfortunate reality that a lot of people just they don't assume intelligence they don't assume that they're just a person um and that's that's something that i really really try to educate people on is that people with disabilities are exactly that they are people and they deserve to be treated like people and they're not children unless unless they are under four there is no reason that you should be using a cutesy voice with them you know <laughs> like <laughs> yeah like they deserve to be treated like with the same respect that people treat you you know exactly exactly Okay, so could you tell us about your website, your social media, where we can find you, where we can follow you, all your projects? Yeah, um, so Together We Adapt, you can find at togetherweadapt.com. Um, anything about my my business, you can find at Marion, M-A-R-I-E-N, e-photography.com. And then both on Facebook and on Instagram, I am at marion.e.photography. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much to be today here with us. I really appreciate it uh, that you share all this information and these awesome uh, experiences with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and thank you just for giving me a, an opportunity to talk about, you know, not just my photography, but to talk about the importance of, of advocacy and the importance of inclusion. Of course, and like I say at the beginning, it's an honor to have you here with us. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, people, please follow the, follow her and remember we're Got You Radio and we are here for you. Thank you to be here with us in another episode. I really appreciate it. Please join our Facebook group, Katya Radio San Antonio. And remember, if you want to talk about your business, you want us to go and interview your favorite local business, or if you have a really cool and interesting story about San Antonio, Texas, please contact us through our Facebook group. And remember, we are Got Your Radio, and we are here for you.